On today's episode of Steam Up the Classroom, we have two guests. They are Skyping in from Pennsylvania. We have JC Maslick from the Hopewell area uh, public schools, and she's a, the assistant superintendent. And we also have Mandy Figlioli, who has been on Steam Up the Classroom before. Everyone knows I'm a big Mandy fan. I shout out to her all the time. Actually, I shout out to you too, JC. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm just fangirling here. And uh, Mandy is from Burgesstown, Pennsylvania, and she's the assistant to the superintendent. we talked about um, makerspaces and how um, to create a makerspace in a school. Um, so I figured we could kind of cr um, keep talking about how to make your makerspace even better. So we've talked about how to create the makerspace, but what do you do once you have the makerspace? And, um, and how do you move forward and, and keep having it be innovative and exciting and um, enticing for staff and students to want to use? I think you can never go wrong as long as you are planning with the kids in mind. Um, you know, as adults, we can have the best laid plans and think about all these things that we want in a makerspace, but truly, I feel like you have to get at the heart of the kids. So, um, you know, anytime I'm in a building, I try to stop by our makerspaces and see, like, what are the kids gravitating towards? What What's the stuff that they're really passionate about? And even ask them, like, hey, if we had a magic wand, what, what would you want more of? More supplies or materials or what is it that they're interested in um you know we have a lot of kids who are really into video game design right now that kind of you know is a hot topic um i don't know mandy about you what what's the big thing in your world but we've seen a lot of kids who just are, are looking for ways to create their own games and design them and you know write the stories behind the the video games so that seems to be hot right now yeah you know what i think you are a little bit farther ahead of us jc and technology we are, you know, we started with, we have the high-tech tools and it's, it's and we're learning more about them and tinkering with them and the students are the ones who seem comfortable and confident and are really the ones leading. Like you said, I'm so glad to hear you say, you know, listen to the students because I try to tell the teachers, it's okay if you're not 100% comfortable with the technology, you don't have to know all and be all, you just need to be there to support them and help them. So what I'm seeing is we're just now starting to um, lean into the uh, like video creating, um, audio recording, Flipgrid has been something that we tried mm. this year that when the kids have the maker experience, they then want to talk about the experience, share the experience. So I think, you know, with JT and I, with the love of literacy, it, it really helps see that those PLA components that are sometimes overlooked in STEM, STEAM, gives us the opportunity to include those as well. Our kids love the low-tech stuff. Um, but we're starting to see um, more integration, like I said, with media production, 
and uh, I love anything Lego that adapts with Lego and works with Lego, like the little bits and the cubelets all have the brick adapter. So those are the kind of things our students are loving right now. Yeah, and I think you said something important about around failure. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of teachers about what's STEAM and what's making and, and where do they fit. And I think there are a lot of teachers who feel either disenfranchised by the subject area that they teach. So, you know, I'm an English teacher and I say, well, what does this have to do with what I'm teaching? Mm -hmm. But I also think there is that fear of, well, I don't know all those things you just named. I don't know how to use those. How do I possibly serve as the expert in a classroom? And I think a huge barrier is just breaking down the fact that you don't have to know what every tool is because literally there are times when I get a, a new product and I just put it in front of kids and say, I don't know what this is. Do you? Uh -huh. You teach me how to figure it out. Yeah. I, I know. No. JC, you've been, you've, you've, you've been doing this longer than I have. And how do you, I'd love for you to share, I see so many of the educators that you've impacted, you know, meeting them at conferences, seeing them on Twitter. How, how have you helped uh, empower them and encourage them and, and get them to please trust that they can do it? I just think as a leader at any level, I mean, whether you're a principal or a central office, I think you have to give permission. And, and I, I hate that it has to be that way, but I mean, I find myself saying to teachers, guess what? If you try this and it bombs, who cares? It's the experience that you're offering to those kids that's gonna. The kids don't know if you screwed it up. The <laughs> yeah, kids, you know, they don't know if you don't know how to do something. They're getting so much out of the experience that I almost think the teachers kind of need to take a step back and go, you know what? It's okay if I don't lead this part of the learning because our kids are so more than capable of doing that. And I think you just have to repeat that message a lot. Like, it's okay if you try this for a lesson and it flops. We need to model failure for our students, for our teachers, um, because that really is, that's the world, right? I mean, yeah. no one goes out and starts their day and everything goes right and they're 100% correct and it's a huge success. I mean, we have setbacks all the time. And I think that's a really valuable piece of learning in, in a maker space or any space is just you know what, some days it's going to work, some days you're going to come up with this fabulous design and it's going to be great, and other days it's not, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I think, what I think is hard for teachers because, one, you know, obviously no one wants to have a lesson that didn't work out, but two, there's just so much pressure, and with, in Massachusetts, we have this new eval system where the teachers are constantly being evaled, and at any point in time, uh, we can come in, and the, it's usually like 10 minute increments too, so if they come in and like something's not working for those 10 minutes, then that's your eval, it, you know, you get an unsatisfactory or something like that, and I mean, it depends on the administrators too, who really understands um, from like the teacher side, you know what I mean? But it's it's hard and I can see why people are afraid to start this new, uh, to, well, to join the maker movement and to start something new because you don't want to fail and you want to always be doing amazing lessons and, and doing what you're comfortable with. I, I think that assessment piece is reality, yeah. right? I mean, everybody has an evaluation and I think it depends what you emphasize. I mean. I don't I don't like to hear about things that are top-down leadership but essentially if you're gonna support maker learning it does have to be supported from the top yeah I don't think the leadership has to be top-down but 
the, the people at the top have to value that kind of learning. So, you know, when my superintendent and I are, are meeting with our principals, when we're meeting with teachers, we're talking about, you know, what are you doing to infuse creativity in your lessons? How are kids collaborating? How is critical thinking evident? And if, you know, I don't go in and do formal observations, but I walk through classrooms all the time, those are the things I'm looking for. I want to see evidence that kids know how to work collaboratively through a problem that they're designing, that they're using their resources. That's more powerful to me than what a teacher is standing up in front of the class and saying or doing. Because if the kids can do that, then I know that yesterday and the day before and last month and you know last year, those kids were getting the skills to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, for me, it's not about that snapshot, what is the teacher doing? It's more about how are the kids empowered to make choices and, and how are they really demonstrating those future ready skills? Yeah, absolutely. And Go ahead, Mandy. I just want to say too, you know, I think JC brought up a great point. It is, it is top down. Everybody in the leadership team needs to be on board and expect to go in and maybe see a little bit of chaos, good chaos. But Tori, it also takes in a in a district where, you know, maybe a district that is not really embracing innovation, it takes a champion or a pioneer like you to say, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm seeing the results, I'm I'm showcasing it, I'm sharing it. And it does, it takes in those kind of districts and places, it takes a teacher willing to take risks and and show the value of those risks to the students. So kudos to you for being a classroom teacher not only going to your administration and saying, I value this, I want this. You know, you're also taking your bitter break to take time and talk to us, share the story with the world. So, you know, it can't just be us. It can't just be the people who talk. You know, we need champions and pioneer teachers like you to, to help us keep moving the well, it definitely is easier when I have awesome people to talk with and to bounce ideas off of. I honestly, it's funny. It's funny to me because I have so many maker friends and, and whatnot from Twitter and from just doing different conferences. And it's a support system behind me that I didn't realize that I valued so much until I started really like thinking about it. Like, wow, I really love talking to everyone. And, and I love to put out a question and have people um, have ideas. And uh, I mean, it's, it's so cool. And that's obviously why I started doing this podcast, because I just wanted to bring everyone together more. But um, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want definitely to talk to JC about your book that you have out and also your workshops. Um, so the book is called Steam Makers. It's about fostering innovation and creativity in the classroom. And it does mostly focus on K through eight um, learning. Uh, most of my experience prior to the role I'm in was uh, elementary principal. So I was a, an elementary principal for 10 years, best job in the world. Um, and we started doing a lot of this work very early on. I, I say we were early implementers. And, and I think, you know, Mandy makes a good point. I mean, when we started this work, it, I mean, it wasn't 100% of faculty on board saying, rah, rah, makerspace. I mean, it was a small group of teachers who said, you know what? I, I see some, some real changes in my students. You know, maybe it's that one special education student who just finds their niche in a makerspace. You know, maybe it's a, someone whose first language isn't English. Or, you know, maybe it's just that kind of quiet kid. Um, I think once teachers see how this really opens up opportunities for every kid, they start going, oh, 
all right, I'm going to try that too. And then the person next to them says, well, I don't know how to do that. Can you show me? I'll, I'll, I'll bring my kids in. And it does kind of grow a little more organically, but I think that's that's the best kind of learning when, when teachers are, are collaborating together and bringing new opportunities for kids. Um, so the book talks a lot about that. It, it really showcases a lot of phenomenal school districts here in Pennsylvania who are doing really great work. Um, we're lucky we have the power of a larger network called the Remake Learning Network. Um, you know, you talk about how you're reaching out on Twitter, and, and I encourage my teachers to do that too. You know, get on Twitter chats, join Voxer groups, and, and find your people that are going to help to make you better. Um, but again, in Pittsburgh, we're lucky. We have a big organization that, you know, provides professional development and grant funding and and just support um, to to all levels you know kids teachers leaders community organizations out of school learning um, so it, it is I, I'm sure Mandy will agree I mean being around Pittsburgh is a great place to do this kind of work absolutely even I, I was so shocked when I realized when I met when I realized after the, reading your book that you were that you were here and you were so close it, it was just you know it is. Everybody's really weren't willing to learn and grow. It's a it's a special place to be. It really is. It sounds it. I mean, I already told my husband. I was like, we need to take a road trip down to Pittsburgh, <laughs> and he was like, let's do it because I just from talking to you guys, there's just so much down there that sounds so valuable and, and things I want to dip my fingers and, and toes into and and really like you know explore all the different museums and and whatnot and obviously meet you guys in person but um yeah so man um jc what about your workshops uh well it was funny mandy and i had been following each other on twitter for a little while and there was a, a conference here in pennsylvania and she walked in i looked at her name tag i was like oh my god we know each other you know it's those funny like face-to-face -face moments yeah. that you meet a twitter friend um <laughs> So she joined in to um, my presentation that day, which was all about innovation literacy. And I think that ties back into what we were talking about a little earlier, how, you know, you might not be a science, technology, engineering, or math teacher, but every teacher reads books to their kids, right. or every good teacher reads books to their kids. So it's about finding ways to connect the literature that you're already reading and just provide pathways for kids to make. Um, and so we talk about a lot of different ways to do that. I engage the teachers in some hands-on ways to do that. Um, and it's been really nice because I'm, I'm now working with um, a parochial school in our area. Um, I've been contracted to do some work uh, in Toronto and um, a couple other areas as well. So cool. uh, we're taking a, road uh, taking a little road trip. and teachers too, don't you? Aren't you also working with pre-service teachers in Grove City? Um, no formal workshops with them. Oh, okay. I've done some um, some video them. things with them, and um, yeah, they they have a real innovative program up at Grove City that is really pushing those pre-service educators to oh, connect uh, locally and globally. And I, it's been it's been really nice to to work with them. Yeah, shout out to Sam. <laughs> I Doctor um, Sam. I would say too in JC's workshop, it was so I had such a it was an awesome learning experience, very hands on. And what I learned from it was, you know, there's a lot of books that that's trending that people are writing books specifically geared making. And but what JC brought to the table with the workshop really made me think when I left is that any book can lend itself. I mean, sometimes sometimes I'll be reading stories and I just think in my head, ooh, like how could I create this into um, a lesson where the kids have to build something or problem solve? And it's just I feel like it's a mindset. You know what I mean? Like. 
to really turn any book into a possible making experience. You just kind of have to read between the lines and think, you know, what, what can the kids create? It, it can be literally anything. The kids can literally create anything and you can really make any lesson into it. Or um, even just if the characters have a problem and you can stop reading before you get to the problem solved and have the kids solve that problem, whatever it may be. Um, and and it, I, I really like that you guys both have um, such enthusiasm to intertwine literacy and making because I feel like a lot of people, like what you said, they just don't think of STEM as being something that can be in other subjects. And it's, it's good to have those supporters out there that say, no, no, it really can be any subject. And it, it's, it's great to have you guys being, you know, such amazing people and going on your workshops and, and having the books and everything like that. And that's how people have the word spread. So hopefully someone listening to this podcast will think, huh, all right, we're going to read a story next week. How can we make a making lesson? And that's, but that's what's fun. Like that's what I did with the chocolate pilot. Um, the book I read was uh, Mercedes and the Chocolate Pilot. So good. It's about um, when they had the Berlin airlift and the uh, the pilot would drop parachutes of chocolate and candy to the kids in Berlin because um, Berlin was ostracized and no one was allowed to get any resources back after World War II. And so the kids created parachutes, just like so much fun. And they, I gave them little candies and we threw them out the window. And and that's what I think they're going to remember. You know what I mean? They're going to remember those activities. They're not going to remember the book work worksheets, you know what I mean, as, as much as they are important. But um, but they're going to remember the projects that we did and throwing stuff out the window and creating our cardboard challenge and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's it's fun. And it's fun as a teacher. It's like my favorite part. <laughs> well, and the truth of the matter is, I mean, there's so much research out there that shows, I mean, yes, your kids could read that book and you could have given them a test or a quiz or, you know, had them write a summary and they could have shown you what they've learned. But the research says that if you get them physically doing and making things, that that's going to increase their comprehension. It's going to extend and deepen their understandings about vocabulary. So I think anytime we compare literacy knowledge with something that's hands-on, it's only going to be a benefit for our kids. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a big, giant project. I was at a workshop um, last week, and they had Play-Doh out on the table and different subject area teachers were doing things with the Play-Doh. Like somebody who was a hardcore English teacher was using the Play-Doh to diagram sentences. Cool. Now, I mean, I'm not a lover of diagramming sentences, but if I had Play-Doh, I might remember where the comma goes or, you know, it might be a helpful tip for me. You know, the social studies teachers took a, a totally different angle with their Play-Doh, but it's thinking about in your content area, what, what small ways can you just add a physical hands-on piece to, in order to, to make that content a little more memorable. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be all at once either. If you just do a little bit at a time, I mean, like, I talk about how much I love making, but my classroom is not making every single day. I, I'm just not there yet. I mean, I'd love to be, but it's just, you gotta take baby steps and get confident, and then the more and more you use it in classroom and see how impactful it is, the more and more you wanna use it. So, um, and I think when we talk, 
Mandy, love her. I, mean, I sent her a few pictures of a space that we're turning into a makerspace, and she got on the phone with me at 9 o'clock at night to talk ideas. And, um, we need and teachers, lots of teachers like you, Tori. We just want to keep fueling your fire and keep you going. <laughs> Can I pair off of something JC just said, um, you know, about making those content connections? I had, I, we have differentiated supervision off of, all, you know, also what you were saying about the frustrations of supervision, our teachers have options once they're tenured. And I'm working with a teacher who is retiring this year. So last year she chose, um, she's an English teacher, she teaches manual communications as well. And she said, I, I wanna try this. I wanna, before I retire, I wanna say that I tried it and I, I embraced making. And so she, I said, okay, so let's look at your curriculum. Let's look at your map. You know, what are you teaching that you find is the least engaging? She said, well, they really hate how the sound traveled to the ear. They hate that. I said, okay, well, let's give it to them. You know, give it to them. Let them research. Let them do the reading, the writing, the researching, and let them choose. You know, JC, you made that, that point about giving kids choices and empowering them. Let them choose how they can show you how sound travels. So instead of that old test with the diagram where you label the parts of the ears, we had so many variations on, we had paper mache parts of the ear. We had a kid use a hummingbird robotic kit to actually show how, you know, with cardboard and low-tech materials, how sound travels through the ear. So anybody can do it. She never touched the robotics kit. She had no idea how to use it. You don't have to be the expert. Right. Just share the stage. Just be there, be supportive, be available. But like JC said, they've got ideas too. and. You know, we just kind of need to meet the kids in the middle so that we can get the buy-in from them again. From your, from that conversation, I actually, we're going into body systems in like a month or two, and I'm starting to plan out what I want to do for the unit, and I actually am going to have the kids, they're going to be in groups, and they're going to each get a different system, and they're going to have to make some kind of representation of the system out of classroom materials out of cardboard like whatever they want to use they can use and that's going to be part of their project and i'm so excited oh i can't wait i'm so excited for body love your enthusiasm tori okay. i want to keep it going but i don't want to keep you guys um too long because i know i'm on vacation but you guys aren't not to like brag but that sounds a little <laughs> braggy but um but i don't want to steal you because i know you guys have um you know everything in the world to do but uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast i'm so glad that we finally i mean this is literally months in the making that we finally have gotten together and um i'm sure this will not be the last time that we have um that i have both of you on or separately or whatever it is um and hopefully we meet in person <laughs> yeah let's um, work on a face-to-face -face meeting yeah oh god i would yeah, love it check and you i highly recommend you check out jc's book it was definitely something that was an inspiration to me and super resourceful same thing with the workshops I'm you know we all are in summer this reading together list. and to learn from each other yeah thank you yeah anyone where um where can people find your book you can get it on amazon uh, or you can buy it directly from the publisher which is corwin um but yeah check it out steam makers Awesome. All right. So um, thank you. Oh, one, one last thing. How do people get in touch with you guys? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. JC Maslick. Reach out to me that way. Um, you can also check out my website, which is www.steam.steam-makers.com. Uh, same thing here for me. You can find me on Twitter at my handle is Mrs. Fig Makes. And you can also... Um, check out my steam blog which is linked from the Burgettstown school district homepage. Burgettstown's a tricky one to spell b 
B-U-R-G-E-T-T-S-T-O-W-N.K12.PA.US. And you can see all the amazing things in our teachers. Perfect. And as always, I'm steamuptheclassroom.com, and my Twitter is steamupthecl.srm. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Tori. Enjoy your vacation.